big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose and today I'm not here with my lovely friend Lau. I'm here with another lovely friend and colleague, Nick Wilson of Peaceful Parenting. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Marion. So happy to be here. Oh, I'm so delighted that you've agreed to come and be on here. This all came out of a conversation, well, an ongoing conversation we've been having, isn't it? The, The ways that you support your daughter at school I find so inspiring and touching and I just want so many parents teachers anybody who's a human being to hear what's possible so that's why I invited you to come on and and Lael said she'd be very happy for for me to have a chat with you so just thank you so much for for being here thank you yes I'm really excited as well it's a lot of lot of information around supporting kids at school and helping them throughout the day that it's really nice to be able to to talk about that. Do you want to do you want to share about how this began or were you always a bit like this? I just think of some things you're going to share about like all the notes that she's got in her bag for all the occasions. Is that always how you've been? Yeah I think so starting school was quite a big deal for both of us. We'd spent a lot of time together as a baby and child and and even she didn't go to a family daycare until she was about three and a half so we didn't have a situation where we had to be apart and we didn't have a situation where I guess there was other adults and other children that she was functioning around either so when we did start long daycare when she was sort of about just just past four was exactly the same time that I found aware parenting so it was I guess, a very beautiful message from life as well, because I think up until that point, as I talk about a lot of my stories, I'd struggled a lot from the pregnancy to birth and then just not sleeping for three and a half years. So when I originally found your first course, Love Being a Woman was my first introduction to you. And then my first introduction to Aware Parenting came from scouring your website and and doing every course under the sun that I possibly could. So yes, it was perfect timing. And when I realized a lot about just feelings and learning about attachment play and how all of that played out. It just made so much sense to me that when kids do get separated from their parents and they go out into the world and they're there interacting with other people who may not be, you know, may not be using or or implementing aware parenting out in the world, it just really dawned on me how important those sorts of principles and especially play became in our life because, I just, I wasn't able to be there for all of the the hurts and the feelings to be able to do that in the moment. So it was really a very big, big change in our life in so many ways. And without aware parenting, I don't think I would have been as supported as what I was around that time. Mm, I love hearing that. And and now to this day here as an aware parenting instructor, and you've just birthed your first online course, online <laughs> aware parenting course today. So it seems such perfect timing, doesn't it? That, that you're here and you'd like to really acknowledge that journey you've been on it is such a journey I don't I honestly don't think there's another word for it it's been just a myriad of up and downs and you know dark nights and happy days and the opposite and it's just been really crazy so yeah I think without aware parenting and a lot of parents that don't have access to the knowledge and the the philosophy around aware parenting 
the kids when they start going to school they're probably you know they're not realizing when they come home and they've got all these feelings and they've been you know powered over or pushed around or maybe they've had issues during the day where they've not had anybody there to be able to hear the feelings so quite often I hear from friends or from clients that I speak with oh you know they got in the house and they just collapsed in this big mess and I couldn't tell what was wrong you know lots of broken cookie moments at the end of the day and things like that and now that I know that all that happens at school and because again I I wasn't really aware of it I was raised in a very mainstream household I was raised I went to school I had lots of um, experiences at school that were very unpleasant and so I have had to work on a lot of my own conditioning around my daughter going to school because I didn't want those things to happen to her I wanted to know that she was supported I wanted to know that you know whatever went wrong that we could heal it and fix it at home so for me, it was a really big event starting school. And I think quite often in our culture, we it's just part of the norm. They they become five, they go off to school and we wave them goodbye at the gate. And then, you know, for 12 years, they're at school. And quite often it's a case of, oh, how was school today when they got home and there's a good and then we all move on. And I think sometimes that there's so much that happens during that day. If if there's a way that we can connect with them and open that space and and have them be able to come home and share absolutely every detail of it and also for us to be aware that it's such a big deal for them to go to school especially if you think of a little five-year-old going off to school I mean they've been at their with their parents up until five years of age and all of a sudden for six hours a day five days a week they're not with their parents anymore and so I think it's just a huge huge change for them so I am really really passionate about helping parents support them not just you know when they get home but before they go to school, you know, from the very second that they wake up to, you know, the minute that you're dropping them off at the gate and then some things that you can do when you drop them off at the gate or as you're walking out of the gate or, you know, throughout the day, if there's there's other ways that we can be connecting with them, even though we can't be physically there. And then, of course, the home time is obviously a great way to reconnect after a really big day. So, yeah, I love finding tangible ways to stay connected. It's just connection, connect, like when in doubt, connect, 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 connect. That's all it is. So, yeah, I do feel mm. really about it. I love your passion and how much it shines through. And I mean, I've heard you share so many things about what you've done and what you've supported other parents with. And it's almost like, where do we even start? But actually, when you talked about that, I wondered if you want to start with like, yeah, what what kinds of things you do with better or, or that you support other parents with, like right from, you know, first thing in the morning. Do you want to, yeah. I mean, you've got so many things to share. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yeah, that might be a good way to kind of walk through yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even when she was littler and a lot of these things have really adapted over time, they've adapted over, you know, different ages and what, you know, when she wasn't able to read and now that she is able to read. So there's a lot of things that can be adapted depending on the age of, of your child. But so for example, when she wakes up in the morning, she won't like me saying this, but she's not much of a morning person like me. I'm, I'm a very big morning person up early bounding around and she's not. So she doesn't like alarm. She doesn't enjoy being woken up. So for me, that's a really important place to start because if she doesn't sort of wake up in a good way, good fun way, then, you know, things can go downhill quite quickly. So generally in the morning, you know, as soon as she sort of wakes up and opens her eyes, or if I have to wake her up, it's very much like, you know, good morning, welcome to the world. I'm so happy you're here today. Gosh, I forgot how beautiful you were. Did you did you get some somewhere in your dreams last night where you got more beautiful? What happened? And is this a new freckle? And then I might like, you know, play a little bit or, oh, I think your hair's changed colour. Do you think your hair's changed colour? And then she'll be like half awake and, oh, no, 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 it's not, mummy. No, mummy, it's not. 
And then generally it's just a lot of playing to get her out of the bed. What kind of things do you do to support her together? <laughs> one the other day. She was very, yeah, not willing to get out of bed. And I and I said, all right, all right, all right. I wasn't going to do this, but I will lay on the ground and be your bridge to, to the toilet because it's like right opposite our bedroom. So I laid down and she was like, really? And I'm like, yep, really. So she got up and she was like pretending to walk over me to get to the to the thing. And I was making all funny noises as she she didn't tread on me, but she was she went there laughing. So that was one thing. And then sometimes I pretend there's a disco in the bathroom and I turn the light on and off and make some funny sounds. <laughs> wake her up a little bit. So I'm like, oh, disco, disco, disco. And then I turn the light on and off. And then she's she either goes from mom or she'll be like, okay. And then she'll get up and dance. And I'm like, okay. I'm sure it's my turn to pick the music this morning. So music for us is so important in the morning. I, I, We are really big music people. We have music everywhere we go. But even if you're not, I think music just gets everybody out of that, come on, it's time to pack your bag. It's time to brush your teeth. It's kind to da 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 And the kids can feel it. Like even us adults, we're kind of like, you know, or probably already in our head going, we have so much to do today. I need you to get ready. What do you mean you can't find your shoes? you know, things like that. So I think music for me, you know, is always inviting funny dances, you know, quite often there's kind of like a hip or a bottom kind of boop as I go past and things like that, or getting lunch out of the fridge and things like that. I might throw her her lunchbox and go quick catch. Like there's always something where it's a bit of a game. One thing that I found really just paramount to to mornings going well is organizing the night before. So the whole idea about getting uniform out, you know, I'll quite often get her swimmers out and I'll lay them on the bed and I'll be like, okay, uniform's there, it's ready to go. And then she'll look at the swimmers and she'll look at me and she'll be like, what? And I'm like, oh, what? It's not, not you're not swimming at school tomorrow? And she'll be like, mom. I think in the, in the beginning it was really funny and now she's just, she still smiles, but she's got this, you know, nine-year-old attitude of, hmm. But then I'll, you know, I'll always pretend it's a different day or I might time her to see how long she can get the, the uniform out. And then, you know, we do that a couple of times to see if she can beat her time. But really that's life-saving because when I get up in the morning and in the past it's been like, I don't have my shirt. And then I find it in the dirty clothes basket and I'm like, okay, dirty shirt day today for you. (laughs) So, you know, there's certain things that really do help. I pack lunches the night before. And again, I really involve her in all of that. So she'll come and make her sandwich and, again, with lots of music on and she'll do things like that. So definitely preparation before is really paramount. And then, yeah, as we go through the morning, it's really just about not not bringing the routine into it. Like I never, I never say things like you have to do this or, you know, we have to leave now. There was a period of time when I was constantly late for leaving the house. And at one point I said, I just can't stand that word late anymore. It makes me feel so stressed. What else can we call it? And then she picked up a potato and went, what about potatoed? And so now we don't have those words anymore. So she'll be like, mama, we potatoed. And I'm like, no, not yet. Not yet. You know? So like, we still, we still can get stressed and we still have all of those things happening, but it's just in the moment, if you can just choose to make some fun out of it, it really helps your day and it helps your child be so, you know, easy and sort of free you know, to go to school with a, with a very light sort of energy. So yeah, power reversal games are huge in the morning for us. Huge. That's probably one thing. If, if anything at all, some power reversal before school will be. Any, any examples of something recently? Well, quite, quite often. So I 
I am not willing to to pillow fight generally in the evening. I I used to really love it, and now she's getting bigger and stronger, and I'm I'm just bothered. It depends on my tiredness, so I've I've flipped that, and you know she might get a pillow, you know, at her when she's coming around the kitchen. It might be like a surprise pillow around the kitchen. So we do we have been doing pillow fighting lately. That was always a bedtime thing, but it's turned into a bit of a night thing. Oh, sorry, a morning thing. What else? So she can choose just lots of choice, not always games, but yeah, just lots of choice around. She can choose the music. She can choose, you know, her breakfast. That's actually something that has become really, di- really different in the last few, I guess, weeks. I was always very much, you know, please, could you eat something before, you know, are you willing to eat something before you go to school? And I've just realized that she's actually not willing to eat first thing in the morning. and. So we start, I started just going, hey, well, if you're not willing to eat, you don't need to eat. And I know that's a really big one for parents in the morning is you have to eat breakfast. You have to eat something. You have to do this. And obviously it's child dependent and school dependent. But I know most schools now have this sip and crunch sort of break at about 9.30. So they have water and they have fruit around about 9.30 every single day. So I know that she's not going to go to 11 o'clock in morning tea without having something to eat. So I've sort of let that go a little bit and that's taken a lot of stress out of our morning in terms of having to eat something. And it also did a very interesting thing because a couple of days ago when she chose not to eat, she went to school and the teacher didn't offer a fruit break. And this was something new. I'm not sure what happened, what the changes were. But anyway, she came home and she said to me, oh, mum, I learned a really big lesson today. I was really hungry when I got to school and we didn't get the chance to have the fruit break. And I said, look, you know, that's, that's, that's okay. You know, it's not, not normal that you didn't get the fruit bake. And of course you were hungry. I said, so maybe what we can do next time is just pack some extra bits in there. And then if you get to school between, you know, when I drop you off at 8.30 and 9 o'clock, you can have something to eat as well. So just sort of trying to mitigate all these things because we never know what's going to happen when they actually get to school. And the other thing I've done is I've written a note to every teacher that she's had pretty much since kindergarten, that if she's ever hungry or thirsty, that they are to let her to go out and have something to eat. So there's none of this. Well, no, you, you know, you're not going till lunchtime or you're not going to eat till you can't go to the toilet because it's not a break time. So I generally write a note for toilet, food and water. So I said she will be responsible, but at any point in time, if she's hungry, thirsty or needs to go to the toilet and you say no, then, you know, you'll probably be hearing from me later. (laughs) I just think they're just normal human things, you know. Yes, yes. and I love your your notes. Like I just like you shared so many things sure about all the how many how many like she she has got like about ten in her bag or something, hasn't she's she? Like got a little flip card, yeah. She's got a little envelope full of them, and she can just pick them out. So there's one for shoes. She doesn't wear those lovely Clark's clogs, as I call them. I just they have a really funny heel. They're not flexible. They, you know, they get sore feet at the end of the day. They can't run in them. They can't really play in them. And they're just too hard, I just think. So even from the very get-go from her first day at school, she's been wearing black kind of sand shoes, runners things. And I'd say every about every three months a teacher tells her that's not school uniform, you're not allowed to wear that, and she'll go to a bag and she'll get out the shoes note and she'll say, my mum wrote a note for that. And then the teacher goes, oh, okay, you know, assuming there must be a problem and then, you know, just put it back. And she's got a note for that. She's got a note for hats. You know, there's no hat, no play rule. So with that, it's quite interesting because many a time that she hasn't had a hat before I realised I could write a note for hats, she would have to be sitting under the under the shade all lunch and all recess. So she wouldn't be allowed to leave. Every kid that doesn't have a hat is forced to sit under this 
shade thing, which I understand the safetyness of it, but kids also maybe have a bucket of hats, spare hats for kids because they're kids who forget their hats. Or maybe they lost it at recess and they don't have it at lunch. But instead of saying, no, you can't do that and sit down, let's try and, you know, something else. Let's have a bucket of spare hats because I know in lost property, when you go to lost property, there's probably 55 hats in there. So let's just bring the lost property bucket out. And I suggested this to a teacher once and she didn't agree with me. But, you know, you could put the bucket bucket there and they could use a hat and still go and play and then pop the bucket back in the hat at the uh, in the pop, pop the hat back in the bucket at the end of the lunchtime. You know, let's try and their children and we have the the teachers and the schools have this huge expectation of them to remember everything and remember, you know, like they're just children. They're five years old, you know, they're not they're not functioning they don't have the brain capacity to be able to think about all these things so yes she's got a note note for that note for eating note for drinking note for toilet if there's a speech or something like that that she chooses she doesn't want to do then she she still does the speech but she might just present it to the to the teacher instead of presenting it to the class she she doesn't have a problem speaking in front of people but she's quite sometimes it depends on the thing if she doesn't want to do it I'm just not going to force her to do it so yeah Lots of notes. I love your notes. I love your notes. I'm also thinking, like any parent listening, like, can you imagine how we'd like to receive this? I'm all the in our reparenting going on right now. I'm imagining have all the younger parts of me having all these notes in my bag. <laughs> the other thing I really want to say as well, Nick, we've had these conversations before, lots about really supporting parents because often because we've grown up in the DDC. I mean. That was one of the many reasons I didn't send my children to school because I knew how much the younger parts of me would have been being like had showing up all the time in relation to the teachers and feeling fear and having this sense of not having power and agency and autonomy. And what I love what you do is you really support parents to actually see that they are parents, they're adults, and they actually do have power in this system and I think so often parents don't you know don't think they do and I you've shared more about that are you happy to say more yeah I think that's something that's only really become super clear to me this year actually I've been talking to a lot of parents in the playground just to pick up and drop off and things like that and a good example of that is this speech that they've been doing this last two weeks and I went to the school for a dance thing the other day and there was a a, a parent there and she said oh you know has your daughter done the speech and I said, yeah, she's going to do it tomorrow. And oh my God, it just she's been crying about it all night. She's waking up in the night. She hasn't been waking up for years. She's been waking up almost every night coming to my bed. She's so stressed about it. I said, wow, that is incredible. Why don't you just tell her that she doesn't have to do it? And the parent went, what do you mean? I said, well, your daughter sounds like she's really suffering. She's waking up at night. She's crying all the time. And these kids are eight and nine. They don't just, you know, so... She obviously seems like she's really upset about it. Why don't you just go to the teacher and say, my daughter's not doing this? She said, but she has to do it. And I said, does she? Does she have to do it? Or, And she sort of went, oh, yeah, actually, well, does, doesn't she? <laughs> and I said, look, I mean, I'm not telling you what to do. I said, but I just as an experience, my daughter did used to have a lot of problems with that. I went to the teacher, I wrote a note, and I said, if my daughter doesn't want to do it on the day that she's supposed to do it, then please don't force her to do it. I'm more than happy for her to present it just to you personally, or I'm more than happy for her to miss this activity. And she just went, wow, I never even thought about that. And she said, oh, you know, I hated speaking at school. And I said, oh, me too. I said, I used to go to sick bay every single time I had to do a speech, I would fake sick and I would go to sick bay. 
and I just wouldn't do it. And I said, and and I know that's a real thing for some people. And I said, and now, you know, I generally don't have problems speaking in front of people, but it wasn't, it, it didn't come, my confidence didn't come from somebody forcing me to speak. It came from me, you know, with, you know, all the love and support and things like that. So I said, look, if your daughter's really unhappy about it, I would just suggest that she doesn't do it. And she's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel so much better. <laughs> I feel like it's just giving permission for parents to go, my kid doesn't like this. My kid doesn't fit in this box. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this example or whatever it is. It could just be one thing. It could be a myriad of things that kids are getting forced to do every single day. And 100% it's more traumatizing than, you know, not having to do that activity and just being showered with love and support. And I can tell you one thing that I know from what my daughter feeds back to me at school and what I speak when I speak to the other kids at school is it's like, oh, you know, thanks, mum, because, you know, as a kid, we can't stand up to the teachers. We can't say anything to the teachers. She said, if if I didn't have you doing that, I'd have to follow all these rules and I'd be so unhappy. And so I think sometimes because they are so young, we are those advocates. We are the ones that speak for them. And, you know, of course, rules are there for safety. And I understand that there's a lot of children and, you know, adults looking after one adult looking after 25 children. So I really understand that there are, you know, certain rules that are in place for certain reasons. But if you really look at the system, there is a bunch of reason, a bunch of rules that have no possible, no reason, no use at all. It's just power over. It's just absolute power over. Like a really good example is you can't go to the toilet when it's not a break time. How does a five-year-old child remember when they're playing at recess and lunch to go to the toilet? So instead of saying no, you when they get into class and the teacher says, no, you can't go, it was just lunchtime. So instead of doing that, perhaps when they line up for the classroom, they could say, does anybody need to go to the toilet? And then the little children will be, you know, okay, go to the toilet now. And then maybe when they get in, then there's a reason to say, well, you did have an opportunity to go and they will learn along the way. But I just think a lot of the things in the system are really set up to keep kids small, to keep them not speaking up, to keep them not sharing their opinion. You know, they're told what to like, what to learn, many things that just, it just doesn't make sense to me, a lot of that stuff. So I think part of our role as parents is to, challenge not challenge in a bad way but just challenge and question these things that don't make sense yeah I love what you said and I love that you use the word advocate advocate I always find that word tricky to pronounce because I was thinking in my own experience of working with adults is so often what happens is the experiences we had often at school often the feelings that we have aren't actually in relation to the teachers although they are it's in some ways that actually often the feelings are in relation to our parents who did not protect us from these things happening. So I think wherever possible to, to be that advocate, because actually what our children often do experience is like, you, what, you know, why did you put me in this position? Why weren't you doing anything? And I think for parents, what I love, I love what you're doing to really support parents to see actually how powerful they are, even within that system. And of course, understanding with compassion, what teachers are up against and, and needs for safety and so on. And knowing exactly as you said, so many things are actually, you know, can be spoken up about. And I love what you're doing. I think it's amazing. <laughs> and I love all the parents that you're inspiring. And I love imagining all the parents listening to this and teachers as well to, to actually have those little ideas that, that could make a big difference also for the teachers. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, of course, being a teacher and you're managing 25 25 kids, if 10 kids want to go to the toilet at the same time, I understand that that can be a real interruption. But what I don't see in the system is teachers and principals and, you know, the system itself, we're not looking at ways to assist these things that come up. We're just putting in stops and going, no, you can't do that and taking the power away. So it's not a how can we get everybody's needs met? It's a we're on a schedule. This is what we're learning today. This is the curriculum, like it or don't like it, you know, and this is how we're learning. You know, there's only ever really one style of learning and every child has a different style of learning. You know, so my daughter loves to, you know, act things out and and listen and all of those things. She's She doesn't enjoy sitting and writing lines. And the first thing they do every single morning is 25 minutes of writing lines. And so for her first thing in the morning, she's just so demotivated because that's not her style of what she wants to do. So I guess, and again, that's, you know, dependent on how, how that can be arranged in the classroom. Do we have five different tables of kids that like doing this and kids that like doing that? And again, it probably takes a little bit more effort and a little bit organization, but I do think we can make it a lot more enjoyable by changing changing those things. And yes, I don't ever, I don't want people to think that I go into the school and I just hand out my notes and I do all those things. I often, you know, I talk to the teachers, my mom's a teacher. So I, I love teachers. I think, you know, hand on heart, they have a beautiful job and a hard job. And, you know, especially after the last couple of years, I'm sure it's been so challenging and managing that many children. It's exhausting. And I know teaching is a job that people do for love. So it's, you know, it's not, sometimes the greatest paying job in the world, but they love what they do. And I really adore everything that teachers bring. I think the system lets lets the teachers down. I think it's too constrictive and there's not a lot of sort of freedom in what they do and how they do it. So yeah, I quite often just go and have a chat to the teachers and send a couple of emails to the school and, hey, what about this? And, hey, what about that? Some of it gets answered, some of it doesn't, but we're, we're making the changes as we go. And I think the other for me as well, I'm not going to walk in and change the entire schooling system that's been there for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. What I would really like to do is change the way the kids are in the schooling system and the way the parents show up in the schooling system. And then the system will change automatically when enough parents stand up and go, yeah, we don't agree with this anymore. We don't like this. We don't like our children being treated like that or forced to do that or, you know, so I think if if the word gets out enough and parents are given the permission to go, well, you know, my child doesn't like things on his head. So, you know, whatever it is, he's not going to wear a hat because every kid is so different. So, yeah, just giving parents the permission to be able to, to, yeah, stand up and speak up for their kids who are not able to do that yet. And as I've known, as the time goes on, the children end up speaking up for themselves. So it definitely gives everybody permission to just say what they're willing for and what they're not willing for. I mm, love it so much. Like, I love what you're doing. And, you know, you know, I'm passionate about the DDC and uh, well, not passionate about the DDC. I'm passionate about us getting free from the disconnected domination culture, which you as a just about to be certified Marion Method mentor. I know we, we have s- such similar ways of seeing the world and just love the literally tangible way that you're actually supporting that change to happen from within because you yeah, enough parents do these things enough teachers making those little changes like the system cannot continue can it if enough people say no we are not willing for this it's just because people have accepted it that it's that way for so long and that's that's just the way it is oh you get picked on at school that's just the way it is kids can be bullies that's the way it is you know oh some people are like that that's the way it is 
Oh, no, no, you've got to listen to teachers. You've got to listen to the teachers. Don't say anything bad against the teacher. They're your teacher, you know. It's just this acceptance of bad treatment, really, like not bad. Harsh. Harsh. Yeah, harsh treatment of children, you know, and, you know, maybe they're not there smacking them in the playground, but they're emotionally smacking them with almost everything that happens at school. You know, they have this just... I guess just these constant power overs, whether it's from a child that takes a toy from them at school or somebody that says you can't go there or they're pushing in front of the line or wetting them with a bubbler, you know. My daughter's had her lunch taken. She's had pencils pushed on the floor. She's had her jumper hidden away. She's had, you know, and and so much love to the children because why are the children doing that? Because somewhere else in their life, they're feeling really powerless and then they come to school and, of course, anybody that they can take power over, they're, they're doing that to try and feel powerful again. It's not because they're awful children or they want to hurt somebody. They're they're feeling powerless. Maybe that's at home or maybe, you know, something's happened. They get labelled a bully and then it's almost as if they have to kind of live up to that because that's the only way that they can, you know, show up in the world. So it's really this cycle that's what I'm seeing happening is it's just this cycle but yeah I'm really I'm really interested in giving the parents the tools for them to then give the children the tools you know the empathy and compassion that they're showing to their own children the children then show the empathy and compassion to other children and the other children start to feel heard and then it just goes in this beautiful thing rather than us taking power over our children because we're getting powered over at work and then they go to school and they take power over others and I think we can just break all of that happening so. Yes, such a big yes, such a big yes. And when you were saying all those things about all the harsh things, I was like, I was nodding my head. We are not willing for that. We are not really? willing for that. No, no, no. You also said, Nick, the way you've seen your daughter really, uh, as she's got older, start to embody these things as well. And I've heard you share so many amazing stories about this, both in terms of compassion for other children, but also in terms of her actually speaking up. Do you do you want to give some examples? Yeah. Yeah. So she she's now at a point when, you know, she, she never used to really enjoy going to school. She was never cried or anything like that, but she used to be quite clingy when she first started school. And so a lot of the little games and things that we've adapted, you know, to her for her to feel more confident at school along the way she's just sort of picked up a lot more confidence and in terms of when aware parenting came into our life and I started listening to feelings the more I started doing that the more she would then respond back to me in a similar way and so what I saw when she started going to school was that she already had the vocabulary and the understanding of all of that to be able to share it with other kids so quite often you know if we're in the playground and something's happening there's there's I don't know why there's always a child crying when I when I get to the school. Somebody's been hurt or somebody's fallen over or somebody can't find any friends to play with. And I quite often see my daughter go straight up to them and she'll say, oh, is everything okay? And she's just very empathetic and very compassionate in the way that she responds to people. And what I've seen now with these things that I've just mentioned in terms of when she's had interactions with kids that have hidden her jumper or that sort of thing she never really responds from a place of anger she she will be upset and you know she'll tell me about it in the afternoon but then she'll say you know she'll sort of say well no I know that that's not really about me mommy I know that she probably didn't want to upset me or things like that there was an incident the other day where we had a dance I guess event at the school it was right in the middle of the day lots of parents couldn't make it and after the dance there was this little girl crying her eyes out crying I thought my mum and dad would be here but they didn't and I really wanted to show them and she was absolutely sobbing and there was three or four little girls around her and then Bella and I 
And the little girls were like, oh, you know, do you want something to eat? We can have lunch now, you know, just have something to eat. You know, I'll get your sandwich. Where's your lunchbox? And oh, the other ones, would you like some water? Would you like some water? And she's, no, I just want my mom. I just want my mom to be there and my dad. And, and I just was there and I was almost about to sort of walk over and Bella just walked in front of me and she walked straight up to the little girl and, and she put a hand on top of her hand and one hand around her shoulder and she said, it's all right, it's all right, Summer. You know, sometimes the parents can't come. I know that must be really, really painful and I can see how sad you are. It's really okay to be sad. And then some, she sort of looked up and, and everyone else was sort of shoving things in their face, like do this, do that, do this, do that. And Bella turned around to them all and she said, no, she doesn't need any of those things. She just needs a hug. And I just, my heart was just exploding and I just thought, you know, that's the whole distraction and dissociation that we're so used to because when we're sad, people go, hey, do you want to go out for a drink or do you want to go out for dinner or do you want to, you know, watch a movie? And we're so used to that. So, of course, that's what the kids picked up. And I was just so in awe. She just went home. She was just holding her and then she, the girl turned into her and they were hugging. And all I heard her say was, I'm here. I'm here. I know you're so sad. I can hear how sad you are. And I just thought she was just repeating all of the lines that I have said to her for so many years. And of course the girl, you know, she was sort of crying and then stopping to cry and starting and stopping, starting to stopping. And this, this little girl has a little game that she plays with everybody about becoming a llama. They say happy llama and sad llama and she goes happy and sad. And so one of the girls tried to say, let's be happy llama. And Bella turned around and said, she doesn't need to be happy llama or sad llama. She can just be llama. <laughs> and she's she can cry and she did and she cried and cried and cried and Bella said let it all out just let it all out and you're going to feel better and she did she cried and cried and cried and I was just watching this unfold in the most or like I, I was just in shock and she did she cried it all out and then Bella helped her wipe her tears and and she said how do you feel <laughs> and the little girl said I feel better thanks Bella I feel much better and then it was just the most you know, a nine-year-old holding space for another nine-year-old, you know, it was just um, miraculous. And I, I left that lunchtime experience just going, this works, this stuff works. Like, you know, it's not always easy, but it works. It's our parenting is the long game. It's just the long game. You know, it's breaking all of this conditioning and all of these, I guess, you know, these coping mechanisms, coping mechanism, the control patterns that we've been offered all our life. It's just breaking all of that and saying, we just need to be here for each other. So, yeah. Oh, I've got tears <laughs> hearing that story. And I just think, wow, can you imagine like every, like one child, like what a difference Bella's making, but every single child. And, and as there are more and more and more children who have been responded to in these ways who then are able then to respond to others like that the huge change that that makes and again I think about that reparenting I'm I think I'm going to go off and do some in a loving presence processes because imagine that imagine being upset at school as a child for, for ourselves and, and that reparenting of having other children there who can absolutely be there and, and listen to us and to have that emotional safety to know that that, that someone's there that isn't going to be offering it. It's just, it's such a classic. It's almost like a, a movie of aware parenting, isn't it? Yes. Children all offering, here, have the water, have the, have the food, do anything to distract yourself because that's what we all learn. And 
the transformational power. I just feel so deeply touched and so deeply acknowledge you for the, all those thousands of times you've said that to her, that that's her embodied experience now that of course that's what she offers to others this is this is I think, everything you said like the long game because this powerfully transforms isn't it a, a, a human being's own internal process not only with their own feelings but with the feelings of other human beings and it's so profound yeah yeah absolutely and I think that's you know if you think about when you as by the time you get to an adult 35 40 whatever you are when you're in when you're an adult with children you've had decades of this conditioning and so to even become aware of it through something like learning about aware parenting or and just being able to change those I mean still to this day I might say something like you know you have to whatever it is and she'll just turn around and go I have to like she just like at any point in time or you know I'm I think the other day something came out of my mouth like I was in a bit of a you know I wasn't holding space. My own feelings didn't have much spaciousness for hers and something happened. I said, okay, well, okay, well, that's not something to cry about. So, and as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she just looked at me like, I can cry about anything, you know, up on her bed. I said, my goodness, I'm just, I'm so sorry. Of course you can, you know, I just, let me try and rephrase. What I meant to say is, I don't have enough, I don't have a lot of spaciousness right now to hold space for your feelings. It is, is it okay if we just hug? Because I just, I just didn't have the space. And so I'd love people to know that, like, just because they are crying, whatever it is, you, you can just let them know that you don't have the spaciousness and then prepare that that's going to come out, you know, somewhere later. But yeah, before I'd just be like, you know, cut that off and stop it. And, you know, you don't need to cry about that. And, you know, you're a big girl now. You don't need to cry. All of that stuff is just so harsh for children. So learning about, you know, broken cookie moments and learning about, you know, all of that stuff, it just always made so much sense to me. So I love seeing what she's doing at the school because for me, it's just proof that we change one person. I change myself. I then change the way I parent my daughter she then goes into the world and and like you said, she's embodying it now. So I didn't say a word. I just literally watched and I was so close to going over to the child because I can't stand when children cry. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm coming. Mommy's coming. And she just went straight ahead of me. And I just stood there in absolute, and I could see the teacher standing on the sort of stairs where they were. And I could see that he could see that she was crying. But when he saw Bella go over there, he just stayed where he was. Like he didn't come over or anything. And as I watched it all play out, I just thought to myself like this, is the change we need in the world. This is what changes the world. Just one person changing one thing, changing another thing. And what Bella saw, you know, in her was sadness. She wanted to reflect and acknowledge that she felt sad, you know, and and be, you know, show her empathy and show her and her compassion. And so it was just, yeah, it was really eye-opening experience just the because she's so verbal. So before it was more like hugging and, and nice. Now it's just these beautiful words that are coming out and, yeah so amazing that's so amazing well in terms of our what was the what's the word chronological there you go I found it chronological but part of the day I think we we have let's go back sorry yeah so much wonderful I knew there's going to be so much wonderfulness for you to share arriving at school no hang on is that we breakfast yeah do you want to do leaving the house yes we 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 do get out of the house I quite often pretend to pick her up as my backpack and walk out and forget the backpack that's one thing I've been doing lately like come on backpack come on Bella get and I've got her on my back and I'm swinging her around going Bella get your backpack please Bella and she's laughing at the back of me then yeah just funny things getting to the car and she can always choose the music and then when we get out and we get to school 
I often will, there's a gate that we have to jump over. So I never walk through the normal gate. It's always a jump over the gate because that's a little bit of fun as well. And then as we're walking across the field to her back gate, she'll often go, and I can, I can hear it coming. She'll go, oh, mum, you know, I've got this thing in my knee. It's really sore. Do you want to have a look at it? And then as I obviously know what's going to happen, I sort of bend down to have a look at it. And she taps me on my shoulder and goes, dip. It's a race. And then I have to race her across the back. And of course she wins. And then we, we get there and quite often there's three or four kids already waiting for us to turn up. So she's got a couple of little friends that always wait for her at the gate, which is quite nice. And as, yeah, as we walk in, we get to there and she'll choose where she puts her bag. And there's been a couple of recently and in the last sort of few months, I've been using a lot of power reversal with a lot of the kids in, in the class. So we quite often get there and They'll say, oh, hi, Bella's mum. Hi, how are you doing? And I'm like, good, good, good. All right, well, I have to go now. And I've taught Bella the magic wand game that we made up when she was in in kindergarten. So she's always had this little thing where she's been able to sort of call me a kindy or let make me be an adult. So the kids didn't really understand what was happening in the beginning, but quite often I'd be like, okay, well, I have to go now. I'm going to be late for work. You really need to let me go. And then as I'm walking away, she'll scream out, kindy. And then I'll jump to my my squat and I'll be like squatting like a duck walking along going, Bella, I've got to go to work. I can't go to work if I'm a kindy. They're not going to, how am I going to see people if I'm, if I'm a kindy? And then the kids were like, what? What happened? She's like, oh, I've got a magic wand, you know. And they'll be like, what? How does it work? And she'll be like, watch this. I can hear this. Watch this. And then she's like, adults. And then I pop up and I start walking away. Thank you so much. Okay, I really need to go now. Please do not turn me into a kindergarten again. I have to go to work. So I turn around and start walking. And of course, candy, like, oh my God. So I jump down again. And then I just keep walking out of the playground. So I'm, I'm literally like a duck walking out of the playground. Quite often the teachers on duty are just like, what are you doing? And then there's three or four kids behind me. Candy, adults. So I'm popping up and down like a lot, like on my pogo stick up and down, up and down all the way till I get to the gate. And then I've had to introduce a rule adult forever because otherwise I can't go to work. I'm, I'm up and down like crazy. And so the kids have really cottoned on now. And so one of them the other day said, kindy forever. I was like, oh my God, I didn't think about that. <laughs> How clever. That's so clever. What am I going to do now? And then, and I said, oh no, I, I think the one must be broken because that one, it wasn't, it wasn't in the one. So listen, I really have to go to work. And then one of them, the, there's a one little girl who she's so beautiful. She wouldn't, you know, she's like, adult forever. She always saves me, this one little girl. And so I always like give her a little wink and I'm like, thank you so much. Because Bella would have me be popping up and down all day. She was, so that's one one way. And yeah, we, we do play a few little games with like the lines that are around the playground. So there's these red lines for certain age groups and yellow lines, and they're not allowed to cross the lines. And so I quite often stand on the other side of the line. I'm like, come on, you can do it cross the line, cross the line, you can do it. And then I'm like, all right, if you're not going to cross the line, maybe, maybe the kangaroo will drop up, jump over the line or whatever it is. And then we make up all the animals and they end up jumping over the lines. And I think that gives them a bit of power around that as well. So that's the drop off. I laughed so much. You could see me laughing so much. I got tears in my eyes. There's so much, like not only for I'm just seeing all the people that get helped listening to this, I can feel that again, the reparenting and the healing that's happening for my younger parts, imagining having that, imagine having your own parent do that, like even once, let alone every day. It's so profound what you're doing. I love it. And all the impact that's having on all the other, or the effect rather yeah. that's having on all the other children that are getting to feel that. I, 
I yeah, just love what you're doing. I love it. Me too. Because I don't want to go to work. I don't <laughs> want to do that either. I'm like, please, can I stay with you? Sometimes I play the Velcro game and I'm like, Bella, please, please just let me stay with you. And I put the hat on. And I'm like, they won't even know I'm here. Bella, I'll just sit by. They won't. Even. And she's like, mum, go to work. And I'm like, mum, Bella, please. I don't want to go to work today. So then, of course, that's a good one. If she's really feeling clingy with me, I just... Yeah, complete opposite. I'm like, just let me stay. Let me stay with you. And now the kid's like, no, you've got to go. You're an adult. You've got to go to work. Oh, okay. Okay. It's funny because it's it's sort of become a bit of a thing. So it started off with just a couple of kids. And now quite a few kids know when I walk in and they they come to play. And then I always pick a kid and I leave the magic wand with that kid so they can go off and play together and just pick something. But I was saying to a friend the other day, I walked into the, the the playground and there was this little child who I've never even met before. And as I was walking to put Bella's bag, he, he yelled out, you're Bella's mum. It's just like, God, I have no idea who you are, but I'm the kindy. And then I squatted down and Bella just looked at me and goes, God, you're famous now, mum. <laughs> wasn't my intention so it was a great game oh, I just want to say Nick your 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 sound cut out then so they, oh. they didn't hear but you said he said kindy just this boy who I'd never even met before as I was walking through the you're Bella's mom aren't you kindy and then just to see if it would work and of course I squat <laughs> down and he laughed his head off look look and he's pointing at me it works I'm like yep yeah. I said, just don't try it with the teachers because they're not going to work. So, yeah, so there's always. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the more and more that teachers get trained in this, you know, all all Lau's beautiful work and all that you're doing, like, and all the parents, like, like, can you imagine when when teachers are doing attached and play in the classroom? And again, I know it's hard. I know it's hard for teachers, but yeah, it will change everything, wouldn't it? I, I think like there's a, I think there's this, you know, like it's hard when you have to think of games all the time, but even just a little bit of it to change rather than this, do this, do that, do this, do that, just a little bit of attachment play in some, there is a, a teacher that Bella had, it wasn't actually her teacher, but she had her as a substitute one time. And every day for that week, the, the teacher chose a child to sit in her desk and she would sit in the chair of the student. So yeah, so that was something that I thought was just amazing, just swapping those roles around. And again, if the kids are happy and they're connected, they're engaged and they're learning. You know, it's just doesn't, it's not rocket science. If they're happy and connected, they're going to be more engaged, more more fun and taking more in, you know? So yeah, I love that idea. I love bringing attachment play. I think that would just be, imagine like a whole course on attachment play in mainstream school. Yes, it will happen. <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, so that's the that's the morning drop off. It Generally, I have to organize myself to be there for at least 20 minutes. Gosh, if my boss is listening, I'll be in trouble. But anyway, no, it's all for the greater good. And then as we're leaving, we have a, a little symbol that we've done since she was born. So we make a little fist. This is like a non-verbal symbol just to say I'm here we're always together sort of thing I'll I'll be back and we make a little fist and we both tap our heart and then we make like a peace sign and we just that's the last thing that we do so we hug and say goodbye and whatever and then we make this little sign and her friends are sort of like oh what's that she's like oh it's just something my mum and I do and it just means that you know the two of us are always in the heart so it's something that she's sort of left with 
you know, for the day. So yeah. And then the day goes along and throughout the day I've either put, I generally put like a little note in her lunchbox, secret notes. So they have to be in different places each day. Sometimes they're like on the inside of her hat, sticky taped and things like that. So she may not see it. And then she'll put a hat on and be like, oh, what's that? Be happy to share what kinds, you might not want to say the exact things, but yeah. what kinds oh, of no, things just- include in there? Yeah, just things like, you know, <laughs> they can try and separate us, but we'll be back together again at three o'clock. <laughs> you know, they can try, but I'm coming, things like that, funny things like that. Or just, you know, that I'll be thinking about you all day. I know you're going to have a wonderful day. Yeah, <laughs> it might be like eat eat your sandwich before you eat the, 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 the muffin or whatever it is. Sometimes I've even put the note in the muffin. Uh, like you know stuffed it actually through the muffin like a little thing coming out the top and I've just when she started being able to read because before I was having to put them on there and on the outside I would just put her name but then I would tell the teacher she's going to find a note in a box could you read it to her so each teacher would know that I would put a note in there and then the teacher would read it to her till she got a bit older now I find things like spy pens you can buy these spy pens where Mm -hmm. you can write on it and you need to use the little note so that the pen has to go in with it and then she uses the note to make the writing glow so that she can read it yeah just think just letting her know she's not alone and that it's only you know a few hours and then we'll be back together again because I think quite often the the little kids uh, take a long time you know they're not sure about time so yeah it's nice to let them know that there's not much not much more time and we'll be together again Yes. I wonder if you're happy to, that's why I was doing this, are you happy to share about the the recent change in terms of the little... The watch, yes. So, yeah, so she's she's a bit older now and I was a little bit reluctant to get this watch that she's got, but I just think it's been the best thing forever. So now that it's it's called a Moochie's watch and it's just a smart watch for kids sort of thing. So quite often parents buy these for when they're picking up or dropping off and it has this ability to be able to turn it on school mode. And so what happens is that the kids can't use it between nine and three. They can't send messages. They can't receive messages. They can't do anything with it at all. So I bought her one of these watches because her father lives two hours away and she quite often, she goes there every second week. And what I thought it'd be a great thing to be able to stay connected at school as well. So I gave it to her. She got it for a birthday. And now throughout the day, I can just send her little messages with a voice message, or I can send her a little text message and just say, I'm thinking about you. And the best thing about it is when she has some issues at school and if she's feeling sad or if if something's happened, she can go to the toilet and she can message me or she can send a little a note and just say, I'm feeling sad. And in that moment, I can respond, I'm right here with you. I can hear how sad you are. And it's only two hours till I come and pick you up. And, you know, we're good. I'm here. I'm right here. I'm right through your watch and I'm right here, you know. So instead of her having to sit with those feelings for her entire day, she can be heard and seen and healed in the moment. And quite often she she's forgotten about it or she's gone off and just, you know, started playing again or whatever it was. So she's able to express that somewhere, you know, whether or not I can get back to her at that exact time or whatever it is, she's at least able to express that somewhere and then she feels better, you know. So it's been just revolutionary, the little back and forth that we can do and her friends again you know they've got the watches and the parents put them on school mode and I'm saying well why don't you go home and ask your parents that you promise you'll be really responsible because Bella and I have a a trust that she is going to be responsible that she won't play with it during school time and it's sort of like a, a one chance thing if 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 we if we get in trouble with it at school and it gets taken away or whatever then you know we'll have to deal with that but she's just been incredible with it she doesn't play with it in class and it's just a for her, it's just a way to connect, you know, during that time. So I've said to the other kids, you know, maybe you could ask your parents about taking it off school mode just for emergencies and 
that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think these little technological advances are great when used in the right way, you know. So, well, yeah. again, I feel touched to tears. I think <laughs> imagining that for myself as well as a, as a little child. Imagine like run then those hours and hours just being alone with feelings to know any time your parent is going to is going to be there with you and it's it's kind of like isn't it how we use voxer with mentees and at any point they can come into voxer and share their feelings and it's so powerful isn't it to have these forms of technology and yes it, of course it's not quite the same as being in person with someone but it's pretty powerful it has a really similar effect doesn't it a huge a huge effect and i think as well i've really noticed since the watch has come in and she's been able to communicate me communicate with me through the day the the feelings at the end of the day when I pick her up are a lot less. I actually have noticed, a, you know, a decrease in the amount of space and time I need to hold, not need to, that I'm willing to hold for in the afternoons. It's a lot less because she's been able to communicate with me through throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So obviously for younger kids, that's not, you know, it's, it's not always possible. But again, when she was younger, I used to draw little hearts on the inside of her arm and I used to fill them with kisses. So there's, you know, like a little love button. She'd be able to push the button and sort of feel me. I'd give her photos to take with her or stuff from the house as well. Yeah, lots. Of, it doesn't have to be a technological thing. We made the love pack that I wrote about a couple of months ago that was so successful. That was probably one of the most, probably one of the most connecting things that we'd been able to do because quite often she was finding herself alone during lunch times and again the schools don't have they're not allowed not allowed to take toys to school and only certain classes are allowed to play on the equipment on certain days so of course if there's you know 20 classes and two classes are allowed to play on the equipment what are the rest of the kids doing of course they're just you know making up games or you know kicking a ball or whatever it is But what was happening was she was finding herself alone quite often. And so we created this love pack, which was just basically a a big pencil case, like a wetsuit style pencil case. And we went to Smiggle and we went to Officeworks and we bought all these little books and little beautiful smelly pens, lots of little puzzles, uh, a find a word, little book, a coloring book, a joke book, another reading book, and just a whole bunch of tiny little things and I put them all in there and so what she was doing when she found herself alone is she would get her love pack and she would either go to the library or sit in the playground and she'd pull all this stuff out and she would have stuff to help entertain her and of course like that's that's really the thing I think between that time again younger kids if they're dropped off at 8 30 and the school doesn't start till nine if their little friends are not there they're just walking around the playground looking into the air they don't know where to go they have nothing to do because they have nobody there sort of helping or you know not they can't play on the equipment and they're not allowed to bring boys to school so what do they do they just literally sit there looking around and so what was happening Bella would sit down and open up her little love pack and of course the kids would come over and go hey what's that can we play (laughs) and I'd be like and then a few days went by and she was like mom I kind of just want to play by myself now (laughs) so well you know we'll have to find a balance in all of this but just, yeah, something where they know, like in offering to the kids, you can go to the library if that's an option at your school. I know schools quite often have the library open at lunchtime. So there's a teacher in there, there's books in there, there's quite often a, a nice place to sit and read. But they kids, they don't know because nobody tells them. They just, out you go, out you go and play. And then they just sit there and they they must, what I thought to myself is that they must spend so much time alone. And so what's happening in their little brains you know, when they're so alone all the time. So, yeah, I just, I love the idea of being able to provide just something for them to, yeah, not feel so alone, even though they might be alone. Wow. 
oh, <laughs> so powerful. It was so powerful. You, make, you are going to make a course of this or something, aren't you? A book or something, because I would love this to be shared with so many people. So many. Oh, yeah. I just, I really enjoy finding ways to to stay connected. And I love, you know, being able to bring that because the kids, I don't know, if, if, if you've ever been a parent and spent a lot of time in a school with kids and you you hold that space for them to open up, they have so many feelings. They have so many thoughts and so many feelings and they're able to express it in so many ways. And a lot of the time it's just, you know, it's quite heartbreaking, you know, some of the things that they tell you and and what I understand when every time I'm leaving, I'm like, wow, that's that was a lot that that little girl just shared with me, you know, and then she carries that with her her entire time without being able to tell anybody about that, you know. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's tough. It is tough school. It's a tough phase of life, I think. Hmm. I think, yeah, the afternoon obviously is very interesting. When I pick her up in the car, is always a race to the car or some something, and then we get in the car and I'm like, so how was school? And we have a bit of a you know, not allowed to say good. It has to be like a full sentence. And then I'm I'm like the 20 questions ma- machine. I'm just like, so who did you play with? What did you play? What did you eat? What did you eat first? What did you eat after this? Which teacher did you have? What class did you have? What did you learn? And just, you know, fire off all these questions to get as rounded a picture as I can of the day. And then again, as soon as we get home, I never book anything for the first half an hour after we walk in the door. So we're either, you know, connecting at the park or we might go to the beach or we might just be sitting there on the, quite often we just sit on the sofa and she puts her little legs over mine and I put my legs over hers and we sit there and share a banana or whatever we do and we have a chat and just, she just knows that that's her time. So it's very much always been like that since the first day she started school, that the first half an hour after we get home, whenever we see each other, you know, I may not be doing pickup, it might be my mum, whatever it is, but as soon as we see each other, there's a minimum of just half an hour where we just sit and chat and reconnect and then we go on with her day. And however I can, I try and just keep her with me for as long as she wants to, you know, sometimes she's happy to go off and do her things, but I can tell when she wants to help me cook dinner or she wants to help me make her lunch that she just sort of needs to be around me. So just trying to keep that space open as well. Yeah, that's so beautiful. What do you think about, does she ever not want to share? Like I, I hear that parents say that so often. Well, actually not so much now because people don't take the, bring these things to me. They bring them to people like you. But I remember hearing that back in the day. Do you have suggestions for parents when their children don't seem to want to respond to any questions? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, obviously dependent on on how things are, you know, you might have three or four kids. And so, you know, everyone's in the car and there's not that space. So of course, there's only my daughter and I, but I, I have friends and clients, the same thing. Like my, my daughter just doesn't want to talk about things. And I quite often think that maybe they've learned that there just has never been that individual space for them to be able to share those things. And so sometimes even, even my daughter's had the same sort of thing. No, I don't want to talk about it, mommy. And my response is always like that. Okay. I really, I really hear you don't want to talk about it now. I can see that you're not willing. I'm going to be here whenever you're ready to talk about it. And then it might be an hour later. It might be two days later, but as soon as she wants to talk about it again, I just really make sure that I'm ready at that point, whatever I'm doing to talk about it. The other thing that she used to do was sort of, I would get her to write things down if she wanted to, you know, if she didn't want to talk about it, I'd be like, okay, well, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. You know, do you want to go and play a game or do you want to, quite often we would come in and play Sylvania and then again, attachment play. So, you know, we'd be playing with Sylvanias and of course the Sylvania would go to school. I would make the Sylvania go to school and I'd be like, oh, so, you know, da, 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 da. And then 
quite often that's out of attachment play, those things would end up coming out as well. So I think sometimes when they're asked direct questions and they're on the spot and it's like the spotlight and tell me about it right now because I'm ready to hear about it right now because I need to go and cook dinner. I've got time now. Tell me about it now. I guess they can feel that urgency. So again, just whenever they're sort of ready, I think as long as they know that space is there, then I think they will, you know, tend to open up after that consistently. I think for me, it's all about consistently. So she knows that she's got two points in the day where she will be able to spotlights on her after school or after we reconnect and dinner time. So for dinner, we always sit down together. We don't have devices or anything like that. It's just her and I eating dinner and, you know, it's open for that. So she, the consistency of that, sometimes she, she'll, she's even said to me, oh no, I'll just wait till dinner. I'll tell you at dinner. Cause that's a space that she knows that it's open for business, you know? So I guess, yeah, consistency, play, and really just finding a way that they, that the child enjoys sharing. They may enjoy drawing about it. They may enjoy writing about it. You know, it might just be a case of giving a hug and, okay, that's okay. You don't need to talk about it now. But just off- offering that space consistently, I think definitely helps. Mm, so beautiful. Ah, what else? Is there anything else? Like, I mean, we've gone through chronologically the day, but is there anything else that you'd really love to share? Yeah, just, I mean, I think power reversal are just so important throughout the day. Like just anywhere where they get more choice and more autonomy and those power reversal games, it's just the antidote for what happens at school, you know. So I know that's not always an option. I know that we don't always feel like playing. So, you know, obviously very, very important to keep our own cups full and to listen into our willingness, whether we're willing to play, how long are we willing to play for? Do you want to set a timer? Whatever it is. And yeah, just just having that that idea that, okay, that's the way it is, but does it always have to be like that? You know, should we be doing things that way or can we be questioning whether that's the way it should be done? You know, I think that's, yes, because I was, I was very much a rule follower. Not that I'm a rule breaker. I'm a rule questioner. I do like to say I'm a rule questioner. I'm not a rule breaker because I think obviously, you know, the rules are there, but if we don't question the way that things are happening, we just follow blindly and we're just repeating the same things. And I don't think I've met a person in this world that didn't have some sort of trauma from school. I just, I really just think everybody, even if they say they had a wonderful time at school, there was something that they didn't enjoy about it. So yeah, I think if we can make that enjoyable for the kids and they're learning and they're happier and, you know, they're feeling seen and heard and loved and connected and all of those things, then you know, of course they're going to be, you know, happier little people and then happier adults as well, you know. Yes. What would, what would you love to have heard, like, back when you first, when she first started school, what would you love to have, from, from you now to you back then, what would you love to receive? Definitely that it, it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a suffering experience school because I think I went into it feeling, like, really anxious because I really disliked school I had a really bad experience at school and so I was like oh gosh I can't believe I'm putting her into this this situation so I guess just just knowing that just because yeah it's it's school and she has to go there and all of these sorts of things that we can do it our way you can always do it your way you know like there's this and then there's school and then there's rules but just if I told myself back then no matter what happens you just do it your way and get through it get through the day and you know we have lots of we have lots of days off. I know. I heard Lael say that once as well. Like I, I just tell the teacher at the start of the year, 
we're the type of people that have a lot of days off. If she's not, you know, hundred percent, or if she's feeling really, really tired, then I'll just do like a homeschooling day with her. And lots of times that I've had her off homeschooling, we're doing lots of activities and then she'll take them in and show the class what she's done while we've been off. So I guess just making it work for you. I think I would have loved to have somebody have told me that make it work for you. You, you are doing it. This is what you've chosen to do. You, you're in this system the way it is, you know, just make it work for you. Do whatever you need to do to make it work for you and your child. Mm, I love that. And it might be the same thing, but what would you love to offer to parents who are listening now? Just just the permission. I just give you permission. Give you permission to, you know, let your child be happy at school, to help, you know, give them a voice wherever they can. Just, yeah, ask, question things. Just don't ever think that you have to force them to to do anything at all. Yeah, just just always don't feel afraid to go and talk to the teacher about it and say, this just isn't for my kid. Sorry, and this isn't for my kid. And what else can we do? What is there? Is there another option? And that's probably my biggest phrase. Is there another option? I don't like this option. Is there another option, please? You know, just just ask, just ask. And and sometimes there might not be. And then sometimes that's a case when the child is forced to go and do it. We have had that as well. And then, you know, the gift to the world is aware parenting that we know can heal anything. It can fix anything. So okay, they go there. They might get forced to do something they don't want. They come home. We're there. You know, we're there for, to hold for the tears. We're there to hold the space, and we can heal it. And we can we can do that. So even worst case scenario, where parenting can fix it. So I think that's just that's the in the back of my mind all the time that I can't protect her from absolutely everything. We are functioning in a system that doesn't support us as parents, as children. It, we are functioning in those systems, and the best thing is that we can heal all of that with aware parenting. So. Yes. Yeah. yes. 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 Oh. <laughs> I have loved this so much. Is there any last minute things that you go, oh, I wish I'd said that. Like, mm-hmm. You've just got so many stories. I know you've got many, many more up your sleeve. Is there any? I, that, oh. I was just thinking the other day that I met the teacher and the teacher said to me, I've noticed that Bella hasn't done any of her homework since the start of the year. And I said, I said, oh, no, we don't do homework. And, she, and he said, oh, but, you know, I, I set the homework on, on Google Classroom and I said, I don't use Google. And he went, excuse me? And I went, no, no, I don't use Google. And he goes, no, no, but the whole classroom's on Google. And I said, and I don't use Google, so I've never seen this classroom that you're talking about. We're in term four. Why didn't you ask me in term one? So I started laughing, and he, he's, a, he's a young teacher. He's very cool. He, he serves. He's so amazing. He serves. He plays all sorts of instruments. He has plants. So he, he kind of knows me now, you know, with all my notes. So he started laughing, and he said, I'm so intrigued. What do you mean you don't use Google? And I said, I don't type google.com into the browser. I don't use Google. So I've never, what classroom are you talking about? He goes, well, Bella uses it in the class and there's a reading log in there. And, and each time they read at night, you're supposed to be filling in the reading log. I said, oh, I'll just, yeah, I just put that on a piece of paper. I'll just, <laughs> I had no idea we're in term four. I had no idea. So I just, I was literally like at the, I must've been a little bit releasing myself because I was crying with laughter. I thought this was so hilarious because he's like, you know, in the Google classroom. And I'm like, in the what? In the who? Who? What? What do you mean? He's like, I've said all the, I've said all the mathletics in there. There's maths, there's English, there's reading, there's spelling and me, term four, didn't even know it existed. And my kid, my child, I'm like, I got after a thing and I went, Bella, are you supposed to be doing homework? Are you supposed to be doing this Google Classroom? She goes, yeah, we, we use it in the thing. He sets tasks in there. And I said, 
why didn't you ever tell me? And she goes, because I wasn't going to do it. I went, okay. <laughs> and the last thing to the teacher, I said, so is she behind? And he said, no, she's a great reader. And I said, how's her maths? And he goes, she's doing really well. And I said, well, I guess we can do without Google Classroom then, can't we? I had no idea. It was just this new, wow. Anyway, we're six, seven weeks out of the end of the year. I don't think we're going to be in, entertaining in Google Classroom. <laughs> he was just gobsmacked. He was just like, what do you mean? I've just noticed, he says to me, your daughter's not doing homework. I said, I oh, don't think six hours at school is enough. And he said, yeah, but it's in the curriculum. And I went, yeah, but curriculum, curriculum. I mean, it really was just, I was laughing. I was, Marion, I was crying. Nearly crying. And I just, anyway, he started laughing. Luckily it was him and not like another teacher who was, you know, very passionate about Google Classroom because they may not have liked my response, but I literally burst into tears. What? What is Google Classroom? Anyway, so. Well, there's Alfie Cohn's The Home, is it, what was his book? The Homework Myth, I, I seem to remember well. There you go. Haven't had, a, no, haven't had enough. Haven't oh, really? Yes. I mean, seriously, oh. really. And, and who gets more stressed? Like, let's talk oh. about who gets more stressed? The parent or the parent. child? Well, everybody. Or everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the teachers. Yeah. And the teachers spend all that time marking. I've got, I've had friends in the past who are teachers. It's so yeah. much time marking stuff. Yeah. They don't need to have extra stuff to mark, surely. No. And I, d I don't even agree as they get older that homework's even, no. even no. relevant. I no. just think they're learning all the time. When yes. you look at like natural learning and, you yeah. know, we're, we're in the house baking a cake and we're talking about fractions and we're talking about time and how much more time have we got between this and this. I mean, they're learning all the time. Yes. You know? So I just think homework, it, you know, they've got words at, as a five-year-old. They've got these words that they've got to work through, all the different colored words. And I remember the parents in kindergarten, my child's only on blue and your child's on green. And, and you know, they're supposed to be up to orange and the stress that they felt. I mean, it's just awful. And of course, all kids learn at different ages. So that this comparing that happens at school, this constant competition, and then the kids, you know, because they get these huge rewards for going up in the colours. So they go up to the front and they get a star on the chart because so the kids that are not at that level, they see that the other kids are at that level. And, and do they feel motivated to want to go home and read? Of course they don't. They just feel I'm behind. I'm at, I'm last I'm because they're in order, you know, so you can see the child that's last. So Bella would always know, oh, that kid's last in reading, that kid's last in. And I'm thinking, where is the motivation here? Like, let's, where is the motivation? It's just constant competition, constant comparing. And of course, we grow up to be adults that want, you know, to be seen and rewarded and, you know, competing against each other. And I just, it's, it's really detrimental, that whole idea. So we have never done homework. I, I've had two big yeah, from kindergarten, the kindergarten teacher did not like me at all. Kindergarten teacher, we had the first, oh, that's a common, so I don't know if we're taking too long, but we, we were in the kindergarten class and it was about halfway through the year and I had my first parent-teacher interview ever. I was like, oh, how's this going to go? Anyway, I turned up and she said to me, you know, your daughter's very intelligent. And I said, thank you. Yeah, she's, she loves to think outside the box. And she goes, yes, well, see, this is the issue. She loves to think outside the box. She loves to do things that are not in order with the way that we do things in the class. And so quite often I will tell her that there's step one, two, and three, and four, and your daughter will do one, four, three, and two. And my response was, well, does she get the same result as everybody else in the class? And, then, and the teacher said, well, yes, yeah, she does, but she doesn't do it in the order she's supposed to do it in. And I said, oh, isn't that wonderful? 
<laughs> you look at me like, no, it's not wonderful. She, you know, and then I said, well, it's wonderful. She's thinking about, and and I know Bella, she quite often thinks of more efficient ways to do things. So whatever it was, was not clearly efficient in her mind, but she was told that she was wrong. And, and you can imagine how often that happens. They do things differently and they're told they're wrong. They're not wrong. Do we want to raise sheep or do we want to raise kids that think differently? That's how we change the world and that's how we adapt. That's how we accept other people who are different because we're told that that's okay to be different. You know, it's such a different paradigm. So, yes, the the, te- the, princip- the parent-teacher interview ended with, look, you know, your daughter's a bit of a round, he- round peg trying to fit in a square hole. And I said, well, firstly, I don't really appreciate that phrase. And secondly, I'm really okay with that. So, yeah, and so I walked out of that and we didn't speak for the rest of the year. <laughs> we didn't speak for the rest of the year. So, yes, it was, yeah, quite a quite an experience of my first parent-teacher interview. So I was very much prepared for the next couple. I was walked in there, I was like, just smile and nod, Nicole, and get out of there. You got five minutes, smile and nod, and just move on and deal with what you're doing like at home. Just keep going the way you're going. So, yeah, I quite often just try and have a meeting at the start of the year because now I know what I'm not prepared to do. I know what I'm not willing to do. So I just walk in there and go, hi, I'm Bella's mom. So by the way, we don't use many screens, you know, in the afternoon, we don't do homework. She doesn't, she wears these types of shoes. She needs to go to the toilet whenever she wants to and da, 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 da. Anyway, lovely to meet you. Just preparing you for the year ahead. And, you know, she has had some lovely teachers, some a lot more stricter than others, but it's just really a, yeah, a situation where you just decide what you're willing and not willing for, and then just, you know, giving your child that confidence and that, you know, it's the word, just standing up for them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I really hear so much about power, you know, in the, in the MM work, we, as you, as you know, we, we both don't, we took so much about power and, and our capacity and willingness to say no and and a big neo no. And that's what I really hear you really in, in yourself claiming your power as a parent and supporting other parents to do that. And I think that is so powerful. And that is what changes the DDC, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, like we as parents, we don't want to force our children to do anything. It's often more stressful for us to sit there and force them to read when they've been at out and been at school for seven hours and we're trying it, but you've got to do your words. It's due tomorrow. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. And I just, it's so stressful for parents. And of course, as they get older and, you know, having to deal with um, having, you know, lots of different activities, projects and things like that. And you have to do it this way and you have to, it's so stressful, especially if you've got more than one child, you know, and you're trying to manage dinner at the same time, you're trying to do a spelling quiz or, you know, whatever it is. I quite often have just found other ways, like they have this mathletics, Bella plays prodigy. So, you know, I've shown shown him prodigy and I'm like, it's the same thing. She's doing a maths game and she's having fun and her maths is fine. So it's just about looking outside the ways to do things differently. You never have to do anything. That's what I've decided. You actually <laughs> never have to do anything. Oh, like running carnivals, swimming carnivals, they're perfect places for trauma to happen, aren't they? Like they're just trauma ridden. People come last and the whole school sees you come last, you know, it's like, and they're putting same aged kids, but like some of them are this big and some of them are that big and some of them are, and they're putting these races and you have to go in at least one race. So I've just said to Bella, do you want to go? She's like, no, so all right, we'll have the day off and we'll go to the beach instead. Like just don't go. You don't have to go. If you kid, if your child loves to go to school, loves to run, they do lots of sports and things like that. And they're going to have a great day. 
of course, like go, you know, go there, support them, all those things. But we found out very quickly that she just didn't enjoy those things. And again, lots of children crying. I didn't win. I'm a loser. Lots of kids and you're a loser. You came last. It's just traumatizing. Swimming carnivals with, you know, children who who are bigger, who don't want to wear swimming swimming clothes in front of the whole school. It's awful, but they have to do it. It's part of the curriculum. It's not. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. <laughs> if I leave you with anything today, if you don't want to do it, just don't do it. What's the worst that can happen? I love that. And what I love as well is imagine in terms of true power, like like parents reclaiming their true power from the disconnected domination culture and children staying connected with their true power, even within the system of school, even within the disconnected domination culture. And I love what you're doing in supporting parents and children to, to actually feel deeply powerful in this system. I think it's magical what you're doing. I feel really excited about what you're, the, the, the ripples and the changes that you're already making and will keep on making even more. Thank you. And you quite often see the flip side of it as well. You know, Bella actually decided to go to her running carnival this year. She was willing to go. She wanted to go and see what it was all about. And I think that that idea that they must hear that at school, you know, running carnival is coming up. You've got to go. You've got to go. And then you've got a parent going, would you like to go? Not running carnival on Tuesday and you have to go. You know, it's just like, would you like to go? And then they have an option. And then they know that that parent has their back. And so then they feel freer to make those choices from a place like from willingness not from being forced. And one, they're going to enjoy it more if they're willing to be there. And two, you know, or again, if it, she did go to this one and I said, are you going to run in any races? She goes, I'm not sure. I said, well, I'll write you a quick note. If you get there and you decide that you don't want to go, just whip out your note and say, my mom said I can't run today. You know, the teachers and the teacher, I've never had anyone challenge a note. It's like a power pack. It's like this, a spell comes over the teacher <laughs> and goes, well, your mom said so. It's like a it's like a spell. It puts a spell over the teacher, and I've never had a problem. The, you know, the magical note spell. <laughs> it's like you have to wear those shoes. My mum wrote a note. Okay, see you later. Have a lovely day. It's like it's incredible. So never had a challenge. Never in my life. Wow, love it. I'm loving. It. I'm imagining all these offerings that you're going to be creating. <laughs> magical note. The notepad the notepad yes the the and the, the template for the notes that you've already written so people don't even need to write their own ones about yeah. about the, going to the toilet or, or yeah. um, having a drink or wearing different yeah. shoes <laughs> oh it's crazy yeah we have to function we have to function in these <laughs> with fun with a smile on our face and laughing because sometimes you can really feel like crying coming home with these sorts of things but yeah uh, well, you know, I love you. I love what you're doing. I love what you're bringing to the world. And for those people who perhaps don't know you yet and, and also now in love with you after listening to this, <laughs> where can they find out about you? What have you got on offer? Because you've got your new course starting today and uh, just so recommend you. As you know, I think you're amazing. But how, how can people find out more about you and what you're offering? Thank you. Thank you. So, yes, a new website's coming in the next couple of days. That's exciting. That's peacefulparenting.com.au. And on Facebook, the same, peacefulparenting.com.au, Instagram, peacefulparenting. And, yes, I just birthed into the world my year-long pregnancy of creating a course called The Parent Alchemy Journey. So I think, yeah, aware parenting is definitely 
a tool to alchemize your life in so many different ways. So it's an introduction to aware parenting. It's, I guess, focused on people who are either newer to aware parenting or maybe have partners or support people that are not on board. That's quite often a common case that I hear that one person's really into it and the other one is not, not so much. So this is just an overview of it. It's five hours in total. So it's not too extensive for anyone to listen to or watch. There's videos and audios and a transcript to download if you feel like reading it in bed with a cup of tea. Yeah. So it's, it's really, I'm so excited about it because I, I think just even knowing the basics, even if you just dip your toe into attachment play, your world's going to change. Even if you just dip your toe into, you know, learning about loving limits and how to use it, your world's going to change, you know, any, any way of connection or just listening to feelings, you know, gosh, how, how many people and myself included when you learned about what feelings were and how we don't have to fix it. We don't have to offer an opinion. We don't have to do anything. We just listen to it. And suddenly there's this healing that takes place and they're happy and bright eyed and off they go. And you're like, wow, that was just magic, you know? So yeah, very much all about the parenting journey, reparenting yourself and just a yeah, beautiful interact- introduction to aware parenting. I'm so happy with it. I'm really, really excited. Oh, I'm so excited with you and for you and so recommend that. I think it's a gorgeous course that you've created and so winning for many, 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 many parents and other folk who connect with children to to, to sign up. Yeah. And uh, if you also offer one-on-one, so imagine, you know, for everything aware parenting, but you know, anyone who's been particularly inspired and wants support with their child and school and aware parenting. But yeah, so t- tell us more about what you offer one-on-one wise. Yeah, so I created a bit of a journey through that as well. So I think journey has been so paramount in my life. And I think everyone, regardless of, I'm, I'm even, I've even got one client who doesn't have any children and isn't planning on having children. It's more just about reparenting herself and how she shows up in the world. And so I think the whole idea around the one-to-ones is that we can do as many online courses as what we want and we can try and implement all these things. But having somebody there who's really got your back in those times when it is really challenging and you really are struggling, someone just to go, I'm right here and I'm listening and to hear your feelings so that you have spaciousness to hear and hold for your children. That is such a a paramount experience that I've experienced myself that's just been really, really transformative. And so what I wanted to offer in in the mentoring is I've got one month, three month and six month journeys and the one months are called redefine because I think in four weeks you can sort of see where you're at and see where you want to be and sort of really define really clearly what you want your life to look like or what you want to change in your parenting. So that sort of can happen in one month. And then in the three month, it's the expanding. So it's called expand. And then we can start to implement some of those things and really deep dive into some of the practices and the processes and play and all of that sort of stuff. And then the six month is alchemize. So it's redefine, expand and alchemize. And by the end of those six months, really what I've noticed is that people's lives just look completely different. You know, they've got all the tools in the toolkit. They've got, you know, ways to respond to themselves in those tricky moments, ways to respond to their children, you know, a place to share when the things all become too much and overwhelming. And by the end of those six months, they really can support themselves better than they've ever been able to do before because of all these extra just go-to tools. Yeah. So I love sharing time with people. I think the sessions are just, they give me so much joy. I get so much out of it. So wonderful. So, so wonderful. I love that. Again, so recommend, you know, being, being a friend, I get to see you <laughs> listening from you and I highly recommend it. It's very, very powerful and transformative. So 
Yeah, and the other thing I want to say is your posts as well, that your posts that you share on social media and and the emails that go out. There's so so much information and so much compassion. So I also really invite and recommend anyone to to also go and have a look at all that you share there. A year, a whole year of like pretty much daily posts, haven't you? So that's been my listening space when I want to express I'm like I'm gonna write a post about that it's, it's almost become a joke in the house because something will happen and even Bella will turn around and goes there's a post there's a post and I'm like yes we'll just put that in the little post bank yeah so it's very yeah it's very much my life <laughs> so wonderful well, thank you so much. I have, uh, well, I feel so deeply touched. I feel so excited imagining all the parents getting to listen. I actually want to cry because I just so appreciate what you bring to the world and and our friendship as well. And I've also really received lots of healing today from the younger parts of me, getting to imagine re-experiencing these kinds of things that you're sharing. So just thank you for what you're doing. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, my dear friend. Yeah, I, yeah you know how I feel about you. I wouldn't be here without you. So I I just adore what you have brought to my life and just in a way parenting and, and Marion method as well, obviously, but just, yeah, this this thing that's being created and, and it's such a movement that's moving, you know, every day there's more instructors, every day there's more parents wanting to know about it. And, yeah, I just really think it's just the antidote that the world needs. And, yeah, you've just been the absolute pioneer in all of that. So I just, yeah. I am so, so grateful. So great. Oh, thank you. Lovely. Such a love fest. And I did want to say to anyone who likes hearing us converse together that we're going to be starting some conversations over on my, that there's a psychospiritual podcast, which is entirely different, but we're going to be chatting there really soon as well. So, so keep an eye out for that. And thanks, Nick. I love chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. My cheeks are hurting. (laughs) Mine are too. So much smiling. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much to the listeners and so much love to you. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.